All right. Hey, thank you for worshiping with us on this Resurrection Weekend. That's one of my favorite songs, All the Praise, because all the praise does go to Jesus. I've had the opportunity of standing in pulpits literally around the world. And when I stand in those pulpits and look at God's people and able to say to them, he has risen, many of those people will say with great enthusiasm, he has risen indeed. In my pastoral ministry, I've walked out of hospital rooms and houses with people who are facing terminal illnesses. And I walked away and I would say to Angie oftentimes, in all probability, that is the last time we're going to have a physical conversation with that person on this side of heaven. And when I would walk away from those hospital rooms and houses, here's what I would say to individuals who are believers in Christ. I would say to them, I'll see you later. I never would say to them goodbye. And here's why. It's a conviction of mine. I would say I'll see you later because of the life of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his victory over the grave. As believers in Christ, it's not goodbye, it's see you later because one day we're going to be with the Lord and with one another because of his victory over death and the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. And so as we continue in this sermon series, Borrowed, I want to invite your attention to John's Gospel, chapter 19. You find your place there, again, your printed Bible or an electronic device, and you follow along as I read God's word. John chapter 19, verse 41, the Bible says, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now understand, this was a new tomb. He was going to borrow it. He was not going to keep it because he was only going to be there just a few days, and then he was going to walk out. Well, also, let me invite your attention to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. All four Gospel writers talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, that's resurrection morning. It says, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. As you and I think about the resurrection story, there was a businessman one night who flew into LAX, and as he landed at the airport, came through the checkpoint there, and he is getting his luggage. He gets his smartphone out, and he calls up an Uber driver. He needed to go to his destination. The Uber driver arrives. This businessman gets in the back seat. The car is totally quiet. The Uber driver didn't say anything. There's no radio playing. And so they're driving from the airport to this man's destination, and he's got a question to ask. So he reaches up and he taps the Uber driver on the shoulder, and it startles the driver, and so it shocks him. He jerks real quick. He runs over a curb, and he's inches away from going into a storefront business. 
And so the businessman just said, I am so sorry that scared you. I never thought that would do that. And so the Uber driver said, you don't have to apologize for that. This is my first day driving an Uber car. You have to realize for the past 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. (laughs) And so as you think about how scary that must have been for that man to have someone tap him on the shoulder, you have to realize when you're standing at the tomb on resurrection morning, the stone is rolled back, the tomb is empty, but those who were there, they had emotions that day, just like that Uber driver. The Bible says they were alarmed, they were astonished, and they were afraid. But life is going to change for these people again because the empty tomb and Jesus Christ is alive. There, there was a NASCAR driver one time interviewed, and the interviewer asked him, to say, what are you living for? And the NASCAR driver thought about it for a moment. He said, well, I'm living to win races. What else do you live for in life? And so I want to ask you on this resurrection weekend, what are you living for? Who are you living for in your life? You may say you're living for money. You're living for fame. You're living for happiness. I sure pray this resurrection weekend, you're living for more than that. I just want to challenge you, those who are believers and those who may not know Christ, commit your life to him. And I pray if someone asks you and me, who or what are you living for? We would be able to say with full conviction, we are living for the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gave his life for us. He's been victorious over the grave. We want to commit our lives to him and we want to live for him. And so as we think about this weekend, Resurrection Weekend, let me give you this question. What is life about on on Easter weekend? I want to give you five words here I want you to think through. This is going to be very practical. But as we think about life here on Easter weekend, Resurrection Weekend, as we call it as believers, you know, what is life about? Number one is days. Uh, The Bible says in Psalm chapter 90 that we are to number our days. I just challenge you on this weekend, make sure you're not wasting your life, you're not wasting your days. Make the most of your days on this resurrection weekend. Number two, the word is debt. As you think about debt, there's financial debt, but there's also spiritual debt. As you look at your life, maybe you have financial debt, you've got mortgages on the car, the house, you've got credit cards. The Bible gives us great principles and instruction on how to be wise financial stewards, how you can manage money God's way, read God's word and study what it means to be a financial steward of resources. But the Bible also talks about a spiritual debt. And a spiritual debt that you and I cannot repay. You cannot repay that by money or by living a good life. The only way to satisfy that spiritual debt is in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, he left heaven. He came to this earth and lived a sinless life. He died a horrific death on a cross, buried in a tomb, but raised on the third day. If you've got a spiritual debt that has never been forgiven, I just encourage you, give your life to Jesus Christ. You will see that spiritual debt gone, paid in full because Jesus Christ died on a cross. He died in your place. He paid your sin debt in full. You can be financially free, but you can be spiritually free this Easter weekend as well. Word number three is the word death. As you and I think about God's word, the Bible talks about there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. And as you think about your life, I just hope you don't ignore the urgency of the gospel. Uh, just a few few days ago, I was in New Orleans preaching at New Orleans Seminary and Chapel, 
And it was on a Tuesday night. I was flying back to here to Tennessee. And so as I was in the airport, I arrived and I went through security checkpoint. And I get on the other side of security. I'm walking down the concourse. In fact, I'm actually heading to Chick-fil-A to get something to eat. And as I walk through the checkpoint and I'm walking toward Chick-fil-A, I can see Chick-fil-A. The, the siren goes off. So lights and sirens are going off. And the fire alarm is going off. And there's this voice over the intercom saying this, evacuate now. There's a fire emergency in the building. And just kept saying that again and again. Evacuate now. There's a fire emergency in the building. And so as I looked around, how many people were running for their lives? As you can imagine, not a single person running for his or her life, including me. And so the warning was evacuate now. There's a fire emergency in the building, but no one was paying any attention to that warning. In fact, Chick-fil-A never stopped serving chicken sandwiches. I ended up and was in the line, got a chicken sandwich, and finally that ended. But here's what I realized standing in the line at Chick-fil-A. As we ignored that warning, there are many people this weekend will ignore the urgency of the gospel. And our appeal to you this weekend is as you hear the message of Jesus Christ, he loves you, he gave his life for you, he died for you, he's victorious over the grave for you. Don't ignore the urgency of the gospel in your life. Turn from your sin and give your life to Jesus Christ. Let him change your life because there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. Number four is the word destiny. As you and I think about the Bible, the Bible is very clear. Those who know Christ when they die will spend eternity in heaven. The Bible is also clear. Those who do not know Christ and they die spend an eternity in a place called hell. Heaven and hell are real places of existence. But understand again, you don't have to spend eternity in torment. Jesus gave his life for you. That is the hope of the resurrection and the joy of resurrection weekend. You can know your destiny and you can know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. You can know that. And then number five, decisions. You and I will make thousands of decisions this week in life. And as we think about the resurrection and walking with Christ, you can make those decisions with the truth that he is guiding you in those decisions. Live out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways you acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your paths. When you think about the resurrection, Jesus Christ is alive. He will walk with you and guide you. He will help you in those decisions. That's what life is about on this Easter weekend. Now, here's a question that many people think about on this weekend. As we think about the resurrection, how does the resurrection make a difference in your life? And how does the resurrection make a difference in your workplace? in your school that you attend, a restaurant you eat at, or a grocery store you shop at? How does the resurrection make a difference in your life? And then some people ask this question, why do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why do you believe that? What's the big deal anyway? And let me say to you, those who are watching and those who are in the room, here's why I believe and we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Please understand this. It's not because of a politician in Washington, D.C., it's not because a professor at a university. It's not because of a program on television. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because of the proclamation of God's word. The Bible says the tomb is empty and the Bible says Jesus Christ is alive today. He is alive. And I would even go so far to say this. If Jesus Christ is dead and he is still in the grave on this resurrection weekend, let's go fishing. 
Let's go play golf. Let's go to Disney. Let's do something else. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, then everything you are doing is useless and in vain. But the good news on this resurrection weekend, Jesus Christ is alive. And you can know him in your life. Now, as I think about the resurrection and the significance of that in our lives, one of the great golfers in our day is Paul Azinger. Paul now is the lead analyst for NBC Sports and, and, and golf, and, but he was a, a wonderful tour player on the golf world as well. In fact, one year he was number two on the money list, major champion winner. Paul Azinger said one time in his life he had a hurt in his shoulder. And he said he knew something wasn't right, and then that hurt started affecting his golf swing, and he realized he was going to have to get medical treatment, so he goes to see his medical doctor. Again, a professional golfer, your swing's got to be right. So he goes to see his medical doctor. They do some exam and tests, and the medical doctor comes back in to Paul Azinger's room, and the medical doctor said two words to him that changed his life. And the medical doctor said to Paul, I hate to tell you these words, but here's the situation, bone cancer. And Paul Azinger said, you can't even begin to comprehend how those two words affected my life, my family, and the rest of my days. And Paul Azinger said, when I walked out of that medical exam room, I walked out of the doctor's office. He said, I found the men's room. And he said, I literally went into that men's room and threw up because it had that profound effect on him when he heard those words, bone cancer. Then Paul Azinger said this, though. He said, then I thought about my relationship with Jesus Christ, that I know him as my Savior. He died on a cross for me. The tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is alive. The resurrection, and he said, just knowing about his death and his resurrection gave him peace and calmness to realize everything was going to be okay. It was a win-win situation for Paul Azinger because the resurrection made a difference in his life. I want to give you these two quotes, one from a politician, political insider in Washington, D.C., Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was a very godly man. He's in heaven now, but Chuck Colson, very godly man, was the hatchet man for President Richard Nixon during the Watergate scandal. But here's what Chuck Colson said about the resurrection, and I quote, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would have not endured that if it, were, if it weren't true. Watergate involved 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? And Chuck Colson said, absolutely impossible. That's a great word from Chuck Colson about the resurrection of Christ. Another quote I want to give you is from one of the greatest evangelists to ever live in history, Dr. Billy Graham. Dr. Graham said this, if Jesus rose from the dead, it means that he is who he said he was, the son of God. And the most important thing in life is getting to know him. Another great word from a great man of God who is in heaven today. Let me ask you this. Do you know Jesus Christ in your life? Or let me ask you this, is Jesus Christ a stranger to you in your life? But please understand, you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord, and you can know Jesus Christ as your best friend in life. He wants you to know him because of the cross and the resurrection. Now I want to ask you the second question here for a moment. Why is Jesus a stranger to many people? 
truth of the matter is on this resurrection weekend he's a stranger to many people there are some people who know some facts about him but they don't know him in a personal way there are other folks if you ask them about who is Jesus they can't tell you even many facts about him well the question is why is Jesus a stranger to many people and you may be watching and you may be in this room and he's a stranger to you why is that the case in your life let me give you four practical words that I would say that here's reasons why he's a stranger to many people. Number one is family. And I'm not being degrading on your family at all, but you would just say this. He's a stranger to you. You don't know many things about Jesus because of your family. Here's why. And you may say this. As a family growing up, we never attended church. As a family growing up, we never read the Bible together. As a family growing up, we never prayed together in, in life. As a family growing up, we never listened to Christian music. And so when it comes to Jesus and who he is and what he's done, I just don't know much about him because that was never a part of our family. And that may be your story as you watch or you're in the room. Uh, A second word I would give you is the word education. There are many people today on this resurrection weekend. Jesus is a stranger to them because of educational influences in their lives. Here's what I mean. You have sat in classrooms under professors, and there are many professors who have denied the authority, relevance, and truth of God's word, and you've heard that. Uh, there, there are many people who sat under professors, and they disbelieve that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and Savior of the world, and you listen to those teachings. And then there are many people you've sat in classrooms under professors, and they have said there is no way that Jesus died on a cross and was raised from the grave on the third day, that is simply not true. And you have believed what those professors have taught. As a result of that, because of your educational influences, Jesus Christ is a stranger to you in your life. Number three is the word church. There are people watching today, and there very well may be people in this room There was a period in your life you walked away from the Lord's church. You walked out the door and you haven't been back maybe in years. And here's why. You looked at the church and you said, you know, I don't even understand the church. I mean, the church has no vision. I don't even know what the purpose of the church is. And you think about the church and you say, but you know, when I think about the church, I just saw division. People could never get along. There were always issues. They were always arguing with one another. And I just walked away. Or maybe you walked away from the church and you walked away and said, the church, in fact, has wounded me in my life, hurt me in some way. And that's painful for us to talk about on Resurrection Weekend. But Jesus is a stranger to many people because of the church. Now, I want to say this to you. If you're watching and you're in the room and you say, the church has hurt you and you walked away from the church a long time ago, I just want to say to you, thank God that you're watching today or you're in the room and you have engaged with us on this resurrection weekend. Thank you for doing so. And I want you to know these two truths from us today. Truth number one, Almighty God, who gave his only begotten son on a cross, loves you dearly. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. But also I want you to understand this. Not only does Almighty God love you, but we as a church, we love you as well. Thank you for engaging with us online. Thank you for being in the room. God loves you and we love you. That is the truth of the resurrection weekend.
Let me give you word number four. It's materialism. There are many people, Jesus has a stranger to them just because of materialism. Here's what I mean. You have lived your life climbing the ladder of success. You've lived your life to see how many toys you could acquire in your life. And Jesus Christ has not been the focus of your life in a long time or maybe never. As a result of that, you just said, hey, I work 12, 14, 16 hour days. I mean, I've climbed a ladder of success. I'm at the top of the ladder. Look at all the stuff I've acquired in life. But, but Jesus, I just don't know anything about him. But again, I want you to know on resurrection, here's the message of the resurrection. Jesus wants you to know him. You can know him as your savior. You can follow him as your Lord. You can relate to him as your best friend in life. That's how intimate he wants to be with you in life. And you can know that. Now, look at this third question. What difference does Jesus' resurrection make in our lives? And I want to go back to Mark chapter 16 because I want to give you some truths here for a moment. What difference does his resurrection make in our lives? And I would imagine there are those of us watching and in the room, these relate very personally to you and me. Number one, the overwhelmed become overcomers. The overwhelmed become overcomers. You have to understand obstacles are a part of life. And some obstacles are small and some are quite large. And as you think about obstacles, obstacles oftentimes lead us to be overwhelmed in life. I mean, we just don't even know what we're going to do. Let me give you an example. Mark chapter 16, very early on Sunday morning, it says they were going to the tomb, these three women. And as they were on their way to the tomb, they were having a conversation with one another. And the conversation was like, who is going to roll away the stone for us? A major obstacle for them. They, they had bought spices. They were going to anoint the body of Jesus. But an obstacle was this large stone, the Bible says, over the entrance of the tomb. Who was going to roll it away? They knew it was going to be impossible for them to do so. A major, major obstacle. They were overwhelmed, you might say. And so they're walking along. Who's going to roll it away? What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this situation? They were trying to figure this out. I imagine there are people right now, you're looking at your life and you're saying this, what in the world am I going to do? What in the world are we going to do in life? And here's what I mean by that. On this resurrection weekend, you would be transparent to say in marriage, we have fallen out of love with each other. What are we going to do? You look at your life and you say, I no longer have a job. What am I going to do? You look at a son or daughter who's living rebellious to Jesus, but also rebellious to you as parents. What are you all going to do? You look at your life and you say, again, we're not pregnant again. All the people around us are having babies and parties, but our house is silent, empty. What are we going to do? And there very well may be people today who look at your life and say, the big question of your life, will I still be alive at Christmas time? And you're facing so many obstacles in life. You're overwhelmed in life. But the good news is because of the resurrection, those who are overwhelmed, again, can be overcomers in life. Here's what I mean. On that day as the women, Sunday morning, they're going to the tomb. Who's going to roll away the stone? They look with their eyes and they see what? The stone has been rolled away. And they realized what looked impossible with them was not impossible with God. Under the power of God, the stone had been rolled away. Luke chapter 1 verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. So on this resurrection weekend, if you're overwhelmed, the good news is you can be an overcomer in your life. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's why the resurrection makes a difference in our lives. Number two, the hopeless become hopeful. 
as you understand the situation at the tomb that Sunday morning, resurrection morning, they get there, they realize the stone had been rolled back, it was very large, and entering the tomb, here they walk inside the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed, and he said to them, do not be alarmed, you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, he is risen, he is not here, see the place where they laid him. What a glorious message. They looked hopeless. They bought spices to anoint his body. But then the message is, you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified for you. But understand, he's not here. He is risen. Just as he said, the hopeless situation, they became hopeful in life. Because they realized Jesus not only defeated death, he had defeated the grave. He was alive. I remember a Saturday morning in my life. And I went to where my mom lived at. And she was in the hospital, and we got to the hospital that Saturday morning to realize that she had been moved from her hospital room to an ICU room in the hospital. And so we go up to the ICU room and to see her, and we're with her, and we knew that morning she was struggling for her life. And it broke our hearts. I'm I'm there with my mom in the ICU room. We're praying over her. We're talking to her as much as we could. And we're just asking the Lord to heal her body and for her to get well again. And we're just crying out to God in that hospital room. Doctors and nurses coming in, and they felt like, hey, it's critical, but we feel like we're going to be able to do some medical procedures that will ultimately help her to maybe regain her strength. She'll breathe easier, and hopefully we'll get her on the road to recovery. So we stayed around that Saturday morning, and then finally the doctor said, I think she's doing better. Her breathing is better, and so we stayed around long enough that, again, I was pastoring out of town, so we made the decision. We felt like mom was in a good place at that point. We would be able to go back to where we were living at. I could preach on Sunday morning, and then we would drive back Sunday afternoon and be with mom that afternoon. And we consulted with doctors and nurses, and they said, I think that's a a wonderful plan, so you'll be able to do it. So we we did that. So we left the hospital, and we'd been away from the hospital about an hour. I get a phone call. It was from the nurse and said, I know you guys left about an hour ago, but I want to encourage you this way. Wherever you are, you may want to turn back because your mom has taken a turn for the worse. And so we turned around. And we drive back an hour, we go back to the hospital, go back to the ICU room. I'm standing there with my mom and I'm seeing that her breathing is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I'm standing there with my mom and I just said to her, I said, mom in the flesh, I want you to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. But I said to her, mom, in the spirit, I want you to let go because I know for you the best is yet to come. And I just want you to know from my heart to your heart, it's okay to let go because you're going to go to be with Jesus. And again, it's not goodbye. See you later because one day we're going to be together again. And I stood there at her bedside praying over her. I see your room and her breast got shorter and shorter and shorter. Her last physical breath was her first breath in heaven. And here's how I could walk out of that I see you room encouraged. Hopeless hopeful you know why because jesus defeated death and the tomb is empty jesus christ is alive and i knew when she breathed her last breath absent from the body present with the lord that's hope that's why the resurrection makes a difference in our lives the hopeless become hopeful number three the fallen become faithful in this text the women are at the tomb they hear this wonderful message that jesus is alive 
And the angel goes on to say, this young man, see the place where they laid him? But here's the message, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you in Galilee and there you will see him. Isn't that encouraging? You go forward, he's alive. You go tell his disciples and you tell Peter and there you're going to see him because what has happened is just what he said. Now let me ask you this question. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that. That's what Romans 3.23 says. But by the grace of God, again, when we think about his death, his burial, his resurrection, we experience God's grace, and so the fallen can become faithful again. Let me ask you in this text, why did the young man say the disciples and Peter? Why didn't he say the disciples and John? Why didn't he say the disciples and Mary? Hey, go tell John and, and tell John that you're going to be with Jesus again, and you guys are going to eat fish and chips together here soon. Uh, why not go tell Mary to say, hey, just make sure Mary knows that, that, that I'm okay and I'm going to see her soon again. Why Peter? Peter was the one who fell. You remember what Jesus said to him, you're going to deny me three times. And around a campfire one night, the conversation was to Peter about Jesus and Peter denied him once, twice, three times. He heard the rooster crow and he had denied the Lord Jesus Christ. He had fallen in his life. And then Peter said one of the most difficult times of his life was when he made eye contact with Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world. He made eye contact with Jesus. And Peter said, all I could do, I was broken and I wept. Why? Because I denied him when he needed me the most. But See, that's why the resurrection is about grace. You go tell the disciples and tell Peter, the fallen can become faithful again. That's the hope of the resurrection. In your walk with Christ, have you fallen in relationship to him? Here's what I mean. Maybe you were on an out-of-town business trip and your behavior was like your unsaved coworkers. Maybe God had given you an open door to be a witness for Christ, but when the opportunity came, you changed the conversation. Maybe you look at social media and things you've posted or language you've used simply do not reflect who you are in Christ. I want you to know because of his death and his resurrection, the fallen can become faithful again, just like Peter. Now I want you to see this last picture. It's a picture of a father's hand and a, and a, and a child's hand and the father's hand. And when I look at that and I think about the resurrection and I think about our relationship with Christ, I think about John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 27, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. And on this resurrection weekend, I just want to say to you as a believer, you're overwhelmed, you're hopeless, and you've fallen. The good news is, when you think about your relationship with him, you're secure because your hand is in the hand of the Father. He is never, never going to forsake you. Realize the security and the hope you have in him. He'll change your life. But I want to say to those who are watching or in the room, and you don't know Jesus Christ. He's a stranger to you. You've never surrendered your life. Understand, he's reaching out his hand to you because he wants a relationship with you in life. 
Not just knowledge about him, but a relationship. And so if you don't know Christ, I just want to encourage you today, as he's reaching out his hand to you, reach out your hand and take him and embrace him as your savior, your Lord, and your best friend. And I just encourage you, if you don't know Christ, pray a prayer like this and surrender your life to him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, listen, just pray from your heart to God's heart. He's reaching out to you and let him change your life on this resurrection weekend. Pray a prayer like this, dear Jesus, from your heart to God's heart, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. And Jesus, I've sinned against you. And right now I turn from my sin and I put my trust in you as my savior. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for giving me a brand new start. And thank you for letting me know you as my Savior, follow you as my Lord, and relate to you as my best friend. That's the hope of Resurrection Weekend. And if you just prayed that prayer to give your life to Jesus for the first time, if you will comment to us or you'll email us, We want to help you take the next steps in your relationship and walk with Christ. Just say, give me Jesus. All the praise goes to him. And so on this resurrection weekend, what is life all about? It's about Jesus. He's defeated death. He's alive. The tomb is empty. And you can know him and walk with him. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Comment to us, email us as we continue to worship together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Thank you that resurrection weekend is about life change. And may the cry of our hearts give us Jesus, we pray. And Father, we love you and thank you for the victory we have in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.